everybody to the uh, Resilient Podcast. My name is Neil Tan. I'm your host. Today we've got a fantastic guest, uh, John from Mantra. So he's the co-founder and CEO of the firm. So maybe John, uh, thanks a lot for coming over. Thanks so much for having me. I really, uh, really appreciate being here. Looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. So maybe we can kick it off with like a, a quick introduction about yourself. Sure. So American-born, um, have lived all over the place for the last 10 plus years. Uh, did my undergraduate studies in Spain. Um, ended up getting exposed to crypto around that time, so pretty early into Bitcoin in 2013. Right. Nothing life-changing. I was a poor college student at the time, but got, <laughs> got exposed. So that was like super early, right? Pretty early, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, moved to Germany for a master's. That ended up right. taking me to China, um, so I got to Shanghai right, for right. a second master's, like a double degree program. Um, worked at a state-owned Chinese investment bank. I wow, was like the first okay. Laowai, one of the first Laowais to work there, <laughs> called Guotaijinan Securities, um, was doing kind of fintech-focused research there. Right. Um, at, the, at, this, at the latter half, the first half, I think I was just there to look nice and white and be international, <laughs> to be completely honest. The token um, Laowai. Yeah, yeah, the token Laowai, for sure, for sure. Um, but kind of made the most of the situation and then moved down to Hong Kong in the 2017, um, helped. Uh, set up a kind of a centralized crypto exchange business. Um, that was my first kind of like foray into entrepreneurship, I, I suppose, um, just with a little bit of a soft cushion because we'd already raised money and, and things like that. But that was like moved down here, started up the business in Hong Kong from scratch. So from pretty much zero to one, made all the mistakes in the book, um, still making all kinds of mistakes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's part of the process and have been working on Mantra since 2020. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I mean, I think a little bit of maybe, maybe to kind of, Frame it up for people to understand a little bit more about what your business is today. Mm. Um, if you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Mantra in general uh, builds a couple of different products, but in, effectively in a nutshell, it's a web free uh, protocol and application builder. So we both develop like layer one uh, solutions sure. as well as our own applications. Um, one is a U.S. focused one called Soma Finance, and the other is um, an internationally focused one, which is a, similar to Soma, but for an international audience. Um, we've been building this since about 2020. Um, you know, we're pretty much all over the place. We've got a team in Australia, Asia, uh, Europe, um, and, and Americas. Right. Um, so, yeah, primarily focused on regulated uh, use cases and on-chain financial applications. Right. And then when you talk about uh, the different, different types of use cases, what mm. have you guys gone through as far as... Yeah, so, you know, kind of the backstory of the business was we launched Mantra DAO, um, which was this, like, DeFi DAO um, protocol that had, you know, DeFi products, staking, lending, um, a launch pad, a few different things. And this was, like, 2020 DeFi summer, kind of still a little bit wild, wild west days. Um, but we could always sense regulation was coming. And, and from a previous uh, venture, we had been focused on, you know, regulated uh uh, products and use cases. So we saw that this was coming, and you know, after some success with Mantra DAO, um, we you know began shifting into what we felt was a more sustainable model, which was focusing on creating the best of DeFi with the best of regulation and compliance. Um, so you know, making sure that people don't lose their savings and get rug pulled or get scammed, but then still having the transparency of an on-chain self-custodial solution. Obviously, you know, things like FTX and um, three arrows and, you know, all, everything that blew up, you know, in 2022, um, you know, only helps support, uh, what we're doing now, I think. Right, right. And it's kind of been one of those, like, 
everything that went bad was not necessarily good for the industry, but kind of good for us, if that makes sense. Although, <laughs> How's that? Well, it's like, you know... Um, it's kind of interesting. Well, it just kind of supported what we're doing, frankly. Right. Um, it gave some validity to the fact that, like, you don't want to store your oh, assets right, with right. a centralized entity sure. like FTX <laughs> or right. BlockFi right. or Celsius or Voyager, and the list goes on and on and on and on, right? Um, so this, the whole idea of self-custody is an important one, but self-custody also brings risks. And, you know, DeFi and on-chain finance is hard, and abstracting that complexity away, making it simple so anyone can do it, in my opinion, is the next direction of how finance or consumer applications is going to move. Right. And you guys have pivoted quite a bit, right? I mean, you know, when you, your first iteration, when you're talking about Mantra now, all the way till now, I mean, would you have, like, maybe talk a little bit about that sort of entrepreneurial journey, right? Because yeah. I think it's quite interesting where you guys are at now. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, were you a firm believer in decentralization in that sense? Like, No. not. Okay, I mean, right? so, like, I... I've always been a pragmatist uh, with most stuff, and I'm quite practical. Right. Um, so I've always felt that there's a bit of a, you know, a, a middle ground that you know both sides of like decentralization maximalist and you know centralization kind of compliance maximalist can right. you know they can coexist. They can coexist, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also believe that there's a little bit of decentralization theater, which mm. in the future I think will be possible, but right now the technology is just not there yet. Um, and it's good that there's people who are pushing the boundaries and in, in, in experimenting with things on that side. Um, but for what we're trying to do, it just like it just doesn't work that way. Um, so it's actually kind of funny that you use the term pivot, which is probably actually what it was, but I just have never thought of it like that. Um, I just kind of saw it as the just general development of everything. And frankly, like the part of the entrepreneurial journey that I've seen is it's just constantly been figuring it's stuff out. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, I don't ever it's feel like, like oh, we're yeah, I don't know, you know, <laughs> everything has just been like, try it, it works or it doesn't, and then if it doesn't work, then you can, you know, try something else, and it's just continually progression, and obviously being attuned with the industry, like, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and reading and just like, like thinking, I, I literally think about this stuff all the time, right? From the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed, I can't stop. Um, that's good and bad. <laughs> I think we'll talk about that a little bit too. There's some good and some bad in that. Um, but, uh, you know, that helps you form a strategy on how you see things. And obviously in the fast paced, like industry of web three and digital assets, you know, you constantly have to be on the ball because it shifts like that. Shifts like that. People basically fork your stuff. I mean, or, or yeah, I mean, you got to, well, exactly. I mean, like, it's highly competitive. It's a 24-7, 365 market, yeah. which adds a whole different level of complexity because there's no such thing as a weekend in that case. Right. Um, that's been a, you know, thing of learning to actually, like, step away a little bit, which I'm, I still am not still really, I'm not really good at. I usually only step away so I can, like, rest. <laughs> I'm still thinking, yeah, but I'm still thinking about it. So, it, you know, it's, it's one of the things I'm working on with my coach about, like, how to actually, um, think about the successes and not just be focused on the next thing because right. I'm constantly just thinking yeah. about the next iteration. But is that the sure. nature of you or is that the nature, nature of the market? Nature of me. Nature of me. Okay. For sure. It. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, um, so there's this thing like called uh, self saboteurs and there's these different mm. like protagonists that are within these saboteur uh, categories. And one of them is hyper achiever okay. and then the other one's like hyper restless. And I'm both <laughs> to, the, to the max. <laughs> 
There's also like <laughs> controller and right. you know like all, all these other ones, but right. those two I'm like to the max. <laughs> um, and it's kind of one of those things where you know you immediately do some, you get you achieve a goal and then it's like on to the next That's thing, and you know it, it, you're never like truly satisfied. Right. It's right. kind of funny. She asked me a question like my, my so I do the CEO coaching thing. She asked me a question like, "What are you like ex- proud about for this um, from the past quarter?" And I was like, "I didn't even." I didn't even have. I, I don't even think about that, right? Because right, right. it's always forward thinking and and not really, right. you know. It's not. It's not like you're looking at a quarter. Like it's not like a, you know, a publicly listed company that like okay, every quarter we got to put out a report. Yeah. These are the you know what do we achieve? Here's the financial report. Yeah. You know, well, the, we we try to do things. stuff like that. I mean, we try to at least right. be like we. We actually do public. Like, we actually do audits, and we actually oh, have yeah, governance, yeah. and you know stuff like that, which you know other crypto companies probably would be like, "What the heck?" Um, <laughs> You're not doing like uh, you know all the all the different types of transparencies and you know disclosures and things like that. We're trying. I mean, right? well, we don't have to do public yeah, stuff, you don't of course, but um, you know, we're just trying to have a degree of professionalism, and you know, I mean, you know, our CFO Brian, like, and, and I think Steve as well, general counsel. I mean, obviously, they bring a certain degree of, of, you know, professionalism experience that they would expect us to maintain, right? right. So, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing. They've been obviously super big um, supports to the development of the, of the business. Um, and I've been able to learn a lot from them too. So, you know, having those type of experienced people, um, you know, bringing a little bit more to the game uh, right. has definitely helped the development of myself, but also the business. Right. Um, and they just, you know, you know, they work. You know, you have to do public audit audits and stuff like this, which I think is a, it's a good, a good thing. thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Painful, but <laughs> but it's a good thing. <laughs> it's not, and yeah. it should become more of the norm, in my opinion. Right. Right. You know, I think the FTX is just a great example because, like, you know, right now all the stuff is coming to light because it's the trial and everything. So you know, talking about um, trying to manipulate Bitcoin. Well, that you know <laughs> the like him balking at having a CFO. Mm. I think he said something like, you know how much effing money I have? Like, I should know. Of course, I know how much, you know, obviously, it's like customer money, not his. Um, you know, they didn't have a board. Right. You know, just stuff like that. It's like, how did you raise all this money from you know, sophisticated professional investors? It's like wild. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of governance or the lack thereof. I mean, yeah, what's your take on that whole thing? Especially, I mean, I'm sure inside of a lot of these different... Um, sort of firms there is some semblance of that because mm. one they're startup also they're at a, such a high pace sure they're inside of crypto a little bit more like gunslinger types of course right but i mean you're bringing that type of discipline inside of your platform right? trying but, to yeah but some what do you think about where are the holes and how could it be filled and maybe from a technical perspective mm. as well like so i've there... always felt this good question i've always felt that we I, even myself kind of did things maybe the harder way sometimes, not always taking the easy route, um, which sometimes can be, honestly, a little disheartening because you see, you know, things like FTX and all this other stuff, which are like, you know, overnight, seemingly overnight successes. Um, And then obviously there was, you know, something bad behind the scenes. But, um, you know, taking that extra degree of, you know, caution um, in how you actually operate your business, how you, you know, go about your financial financials how you go about audits like all this stuff is super important it might slow some stuff down um if you, i mean if, of course you have one dude calling the shots you can just do whatever the hell he wants okay. um it makes it a little bit easier to get things done right um but there's a reason to have checks and balances in anything right and you know that's clearly evident in all this ftx stuff 
Um, in our side, I think it's important for us to try to emulate that there's good actors in crypto. Um, and, you know, it's not just a bunch of scam. The industry is weird. You know, it's got all this kind of crazy, you know, personalities and, you know, Wild West gunslingers and all kinds of stuff. Obviously, there's a ton of super professional and highly intelligent people as well. Um, but, you know, it's about time the industry puts, like, good people on the pedestal rather than, you know, the Doquans and the SBFs and the right. Machinskis and, like, these type of people, right? right? Or the, you know, what's his name? Richard Hart, the Hex guy. Like, all these people are like, it's like, really? Or BitBoy? It's like, really? And I'm not trying to beef with anyone necessarily, but right. it's like, come on. Like, it's true, though. It's you know? true. I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, yeah. ultimately, all these people took advantage of what everyone values the most is trust, right? Yeah. So, and, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's just a scam. I think the one, just one other final comment. I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people in crypto, they see the industry as technology, a te like a tech industry, right? Which in many cases it is. But when it comes to DeFi or, you know, other types of financial applications, I mean, it's not just technology, right? It is, you're a financial firm, right? right? Um, DeFi companies don't see themselves as finance companies. They see themselves as technology companies. And, you know, having that, understanding of finance and technology is a kind of a, an important thing but in the end of the day if you're taking clients money even if it's in the smart contract you are a financial business and right. financial businesses are built on trust reputation exactly. and um and security right yep. um and if you lose any of those then it's over right right <laughs> um and it takes a long time to build trust and reputation but it takes a very short time to you know lose it, <laughs> lose it. <laughs> very very quickly yeah but so actually, I mean, inside of the industry, you've got, you know, like you said, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, one way or the other, mm. or, you know, there's two sides of the spectrum that people like yourself who have experience inside of financial mm. industries, you know, you've been inside, you know, even arguably more stringent and more restrictive uh, sort of environment. And you have other people that are like technologists, pure play mm. technologists, but then offering a financial product yep. and stuff. So how do you see that sort of coming to convergence? Are we going to run into more of these type of scenarios? Because some people just don't understand the fin and only yeah. the tech or like. For sure. Does, yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. I mean, it, I think it's honestly playing out a lot. And I think the U.S. is where it's, well, the U.S., Hong Kong, Dubai, I mean, all these places where we're operating and, you know, talking to regulators um, fairly regularly, um, all like it's playing out live. Right. Like now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're seeing technology companies that, you know, just don't really agree with some of the ways that the licensing is being presented. And right. obviously the, the regulators and the licensors yeah. don't agree with the way that the technologists are providing certain services. And it's, it's a little bit of a battle, right? right. And, um, you know, depending on which jurisdiction you're talking about, uh, it'll go in different ways. Right. And, um, you know, Hong Kong, I think recently has, has, you know, done a good job of at least expressing the wish to be a, you know, a, a venue for the East. Sure. for you know regulated crypto businesses and and, uh, and is trying to kind of begin licensing activities um but it's still pretty i would say vanilla product wise right it's, you know, it's a process that's that's the other thing though with regulation and how this all plays out like crypto is this like instant gratification 24 7 yeah. you know to the moon kind of right. environment but regulation just doesn't work like that right it right. takes time right. i mean since Literally since 2017, 2018, we've been working with the U.S. SEC and FINRA to get where we are now, which we're finally like beginning to launch SOMA. Right. Um, 
that's six years. Right. Right. And it's been six arduous years. So like six years, literally been working on this thing for six years in Dubai. We've been working on our licensing application for over a year and a half. Right. Right. So like this stuff takes time. It is not an instant kind of like to the moon mentality when it comes to this type of stuff. Do you think it's a, a point in time? Or do you think that eventually, I mean, because you guys are first mover mm. in that sense, right? It's like you guys started first mm. and then ultimately that's why it's slow. Yeah. Or do you think that it'll always be this way? Or do you think it'll, it'll know, at I some think point it'll, accelerate? I think, or, I think it'll definitely accelerate. Right. Um, they're still figuring it out, right? Yeah. The technology's improving, you know, leaps and bounds over time. Regulatory frameworks are getting more clear um, and more sophisticated. Um. And obviously, the you know licensors or regulators are actually having the the mandate to give licenses, right. um, and that's a good thing. Like that's a push from the top. Not oh, even sure. Yeah, yeah, right, it's right. a push from the top. So that's right. that's a good. I mean, I can't speak for every single market in that case, um, but definitely in certain places, you know, they're meant to be like their job is to give licenses, right? And, right. and give and give not to hold people back. Not to hold I people mean, back. like hold the right people back. Exactly but, the right yeah. people. And you know, again, like having gone through this in multiple different places, and you know, having a, in my opinion, a fairly sophisticated view on the international crypto regulatory space, just because I'm literally doing it, um, it uh, it it's not easy. And you know, there used to be licenses that you know, 2018, 2019 days, where you know people go to not to point fingers at like Lithuania or Estonia or whatever, so, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And it was too lax, and people just like, oh, it just invited all these bad, you know, bad actors, bad actors to come in, and right. you know, oh, we're licensed and regulated. But yeah. then, you know, <laughs> there's no not. oversight. Whatsoever. There's no it's oversight. Like, all right, you walk now in, there is. And here's people, a bank account. Here's the, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think uh, again, it's developed. It's become more sophisticated, and you know, we're seeing the maturation of, of this. But it's going to still take time. I mean, I don't really see this. I mean, this is multi-year still ahead before like. You're getting tons and tons of licenses approved, and frankly, you just don't need tons and tons. Right, right. You really don't, right? Like, does Hong Kong need ten licensed crypto exchanges? Probably not. Mm. It's a dozen. I mean, there's yeah. eight million people here, and right. eight million people are not trading crypto. But then, what, <laughs> what, what's your take on that? I mean, in, and we'll come back to Soma and mm. also the other piece. But um, what's your take on that? I mean, you know, does Hong Kong have a shot at the title? I mean, how many licenses Definitely. do you think that there is, or? Or should be, or you know, in your opinion, because ultimately you also think not just purely domestic, but also international, mm. right? I mean, that's part and parcel of the attraction, right? Sure. To the, I mean, I think my personal opinion on just the regulatory landscape is, you know, the U.S. is going to be the U.S. So you know, do <laughs> do what you're going to do over like, there. Here's a license. Here's a ticket. Here's yeah, a license. Yeah. Here's a ticket. So the <laughs> U.S. is the no, U.S. Um, <laughs> internationally, there's only a few jurisdictions that are like legitimate, right? Mm. And where you'd really want to be that offer, you know, the ability to offer products, grow and scale your business properly, because obviously the licensing in many cases is restrictive um, compared to other people who are going to go off and do, you know, unregulated stuff and, you know, steamroll you from a business perspective. Um, So it's not like it's like if you're going to take the regulated kind of license path, it's uh, like be ready for it. Buckle up kind of thing. Like what? Yeah, because you're talking about six years. I mean, it can take a long time. Yeah. I, I hope it doesn't take that long here and with some of the other right. stuff. I mean, in Dubai, for example, it's, it's obviously a lot. We're you know we're progressing a lot faster than six years. Right. Um, with a much more sophisticated framework, in my opinion. Um, at least from a like new technology perspective. Um, in terms of uh like Hong Kong and its licensing ambitions, I do believe Hong Kong, you know, has a 
it's either going to be Hong Kong or Singapore who are going to be the preeminent, dominant kind of like landing spot for crypto businesses in Asia. Right. Um, and it's going to come down to those two. I mean, you know, Japan is in, is insular. Korea, Korea is insular. You, you don't think Korea? Well, oh, well too insular. It's just for Koreans. It's domestic. It's domestic. Yeah. It's a huge market. If you're Korean, great. My wife's Korean. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. But, right. you know, me coming there and trying to do business, good luck. Right? <laughs> you need, to, you need it just, right. it's not easy. Same right. with Japan. Um, in the Middle East, you know, Dubai is taking the lead with Vara. Um, Abu Dhabi, which also in the UAE is another big one. I think the interesting play there is going to be Saudi in the future. Because it's just like you know that opens up and it's from yeah because they massive. have like thirty five million people and, and and they're also being you know vying for a position right? exactly right. and and trying to um, you know become more progressive and trying to open up um, so you know if they open up the taps it's like it's a whole different game in terms of capital right um, Europe is challenging even though they got Mika coming I'm not a huge fan of Europe from the perspective of what mm. we're doing just purely because you know. Even though it's supposed to be an intercontinental licensing regime, you know, you're still dealing with ten different languages, mm. and it really only matters if you're in France or Germany. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know you need to speak German in Germany, you need to speak France in France. Right. Um, the UK is not part of it anymore, sure. so it's its own thing. Right. Um, I think UK is interesting, but again, it's you know it's the UK. Um, and what we're trying to do, at least from an international perspective, the product suite that we're doing, the in my opinion, the zero to one opportunity, which is like the game changer for people right. isn't in Europe because people can already get access to stocks and people can already get access to, pro you know, different financial products. Um, you know, DeFi marginally improves that. But for someone like, for example, a tokenized treasury or a tokenized Tesla share for someone in Brazil or Argentina or Africa or Southeast Asia via, you know, crypto, can be literally a game changer because you sure. don't have any access to that now. Right. right. Um, you know, getting exposure with your USDC or your ETH or your wrapped Bitcoin or something like that, you know, is better better than anything because you can't get that with your traditional brokerage. You might not even have a bank account. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, right. that's kind of why our strategy is a little bit more focused on developing world. Right. From that perspective, and I think, you know, having that thought about like where's the actual value being created, even in Soma, right? It's a U.S. platform. Sure. We're probably about 30% U.S. people and about 70% international folks are on board to it. Right. Because again, you're getting exposure to a U.S. suite of products, but that's a game changer if you can onboard from the Philippines and, you know, right. get right. access to right. Nigeria or Argentina. Or basically or bottom of the pyramid, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're trying to do is more accessibility to it. 100%. And even if they don't have necessarily a bank account to do it, they still have some sort of a, you know, wallet or some sort of account. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I mean, those, a lot of those places are crypto crazy. Right. Um, and they're generally young, digitally native populations from a demographic perspective. Um, you know, in many cases, there's a poor economic situation or macroeconomic situation. Like Argentina, they have hyperinflation like crazy. So right. why would you want to keep your money in Argentinian pesos? Right. <laughs> like literally, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Turkish lira? Like yeah. why? Yeah. I'd much rather be in USDC. But if you could have USDC and get exposure to a U.S. Treasury, which is going to be five percent, like. Duh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a no-brainer. No, yeah. It's a no-brainer, or even just being able to, you know, get exposure to Tesla. Right. Like that, for many people, could potentially be a life-changing experience. Right. And the U.S. public blue chip equities is a is a life potentially life, you know, a life-changing experience for a lot of people. Right. So tell us a, a little bit about the, the whole Soma Finance mm. and also your experience in trying to get 
the li- the DeFi platform, right? The, the license for the yeah. DeFi. Those, those two things. Are so someone goes back a while. Um, I met our partners on the broker side, Bill and Jim, uh, in 20, I want to say 2016, 2017. So a long time ago. Um, they were the initial partners that we were working with on the centralized exchange platform. Um, that's how I met them, basically. And then that kind of wound down. The, the other partners continued on with it. Um, and we were like, hey, we want to do... So yeah, like, we went, on sep- we went yeah. our separate ways. I mean, that was a... That's a whole... It wasn't an amicable separate ways. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> um, that, was a, that was an interesting experience uh, as a 20 four or five year old going through that wow but um like having that kind of oh it's it worse was, than like a girlfriend boyfriend type thing because well business, right? yeah because it was well for sure because there's you know money le- money like and all kinds legal of, stuff involved yeah, yeah that was yeah, a yeah. trial by fire wow. um, for sure very early on, on in my career right um the first of many i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> no. um, i don't mean that in a bad way just like you know you got to be prepared for this stuff it, you know in startup game it's right you know it is what it is yeah. um you try to be on the right side of that path but right you know um, and I believe I have been but anyway. Right. Um, and so we met Jim, Bill and Jim through that. And, you know, back then we, we went to FINRA and we said, Hey, we have this broker dealer license because Bill and Jim had, had a broker dealer called Tritorian Capital. We want to issue private placement securities utilizing blockchain technology. And they're like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? no way. <laughs> you need to apply for what's called an NMA new membership application. So we went and applied for that. Um, and we, like asked for permission back then, which was definitely the right thing to do. Um, and it was kind of interesting because around the same time, other broker dealers were just doing it. They're like, oh, we have a broker dealer. We can just do private just, placements. Right, right. And we're like, we know you can't because we asked. Right. <laughs> and they told us no. Right. <laughs> um, but they would still go do deals and you'd see articles come up in Coindesk and you'd be like, you know, this is so annoying. You know, right. all these guys are getting attention, but they don't have any licensing. Yeah. Um, a little bit of that, like, regulation, compl- uh, right. technology kind of thing. Yeah. Um, all it takes is somebody to drop a note in the hotline. Well, <laughs> and that happened. And those okay. guys got shut down. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay, for sure. It. 100%. 100% they got yeah. shut down. Right. Um, and we ended up going through, you know, a year and a half-ish process of going back and forth to FINRA to get this tokenization license, which allows us to do private placements on chain. Retail and institutionally friendly. The retail is a big, the big differentiator because um, no one has that as far as we're aware. Um, as well as on any chain or protocol, so you can do both, you know, open permissionless like Ethereum, Solana, Cosmos, whatever, or you could do it on um, a permission chain like a Hyperledger or something like Corda or whatever. Um, and we got this license, and we're like, oh, amazing. We're gonna you know, get all this fanfare now. But the way that it works in the U.S. is they don't. They don't publicize or notify that that people have been given licenses. It's mm. on a public registry, so like it's called broker check. You can go check all the broker deals in existence, and it shows all the activities that they're allowed to do. Right. But they're not going to FINRA or SEC will not issue a statement saying that these guys can do this. Right? They will never. Why? They don't want to pick favorites. Okay. Yeah, they just—it's just how they work. They but it's just a timing thing. I mean, okay, you got a license, you announce. Well, we got, got it. We got it. We tried to announce, and and oh, they didn't want you to. No, announce no, they it. don't care if you announce. Oh, okay. It. They don't care if you announce right. it, but um, but they won't announce themselves. Right. So that doesn't really aid in the mm. like, oh, great, you know, you're approved right. kind of thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Whereas in you know Hong Kong or Dubai or whatever, they're going to announce and yeah. say, hey, these guys are actually been approved. Right. Um, so we did it, and we're like expecting a bunch of fanfare. It was you know minimal at best right. um but you know we got the license which was important and we went out and tried to do the first deal that was exciting and i had been talking to um a basketball player called spencer dimity 
Plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, right. Well, he played for the Brooklyn Nets at the time. I think he's back. He's hopped around a little bit. Okay. Um, he wanted to tokenize his earnings on his contract. Really? Um, this was wow. 2019. Cool. Yeah. Right. Um, and he had... So I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I saw yeah. that he was doing it. I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, big basketball fan. Big LinkedIn fan. Right. And um, he responded. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm yeah, I was like, hey, yeah, so you're doing this, wow, you're doing this deal. So cool. We have a license. Like, you should, you know, we should talk. Right. Um, so we got in touch. Um, started working with him. Ended up actually working with two other broker dealers first. Sure. Um, but both of them that fell out, or both fell out. Yeah. Okay. Because they didn't have the license, right? They weren't, and the NBA wasn't happy with the deal, or whatever. Right. Um, so that got shut down. Um, but we actually got the transaction to happen. Wow. Um, got it through. We it kind of, you know, the story of trying and to a degree failing, but you know, just learning and then growing from it. Right. Um, the time when the transaction was closing was like March of 2020. Mm. So we're selling a basketball player token. Right. That initially had a lot of fanfare and a lot of, um, you know, capital support. And then COVID. Wow. And who's investing in a, excuse my language, basketball player shit token, shit coin, <laughs> <laughs> when the NBA is shutting down, no mm. one knows what the hell is happening with COVID. Right. And even the asset that we're tokenizing, in theory, Spencer, got COVID himself. Wow. Well, it's the first time you've ever tokenized a COVID-stricken asset, I think, <laughs> in the you world. You tokenized COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we, we got it done, but it wasn't like as, you know, we were trying to raise like 10, I think only, you know, 1.5 ended up actually committing something, the two or something like that. Um, although initially there was a lot of interest. And um, then we proceeded to get audited by FINRA, like, Every single department audited us, and we're we were a small business. It was you know Bill, Jim, myself, uh, Will, um, and we just you know we couldn't do other things other than focus on the audits. And Bill and Jim were you know managing that. So that's when uh, Will and I literally we had to figure something out. So that's when we started Montreal with a couple uh, other uh, right. parties. Cool, very cool. So that was like we had this regulatory experience of with the SEC and going through the one of the first regulated offerings in the U.S. history um, on chain. And then we went and actually, but it was like kind of rudimentary and, and, and it wasn't like DeFi, right? Or DeFi-ish. Then we went and did MantraDAO, which was like building all this DeFi stuff, figuring out how to work and operate in this space. Again, making all kinds of different mistakes and figuring it out along the way. And then bringing those two ideas together. And that's kind of where Soma is. where Soma now is. Yeah. So you can kind of see it's like constantly trying, failing, growing, yeah. learning, but right, right, right. not necessarily in my mind pivoting. It's always, it's always been in this, Right. In my mind, my life is always in a direction, right. but it takes, you know, right. but as long as you're progressing forward right? Um, and you can kind of see that, you know, every, even if it is a little bit of a step back, it's still an opportunity to go forward. How do you, how did you, I mean, you know, obviously, I guess just kind of a little bit about how you built that type of resilience, mm. right? I mean, I think. You know, is it is it from like you know, I when when you were a kid or like you know, is it through your sort of like studies or your professional career? Or um, like, so the other part of my personality is hyper competitiveness. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I've channeled that in different ways over over my life. Um, um, a beer chugging, or <laughs> no? <laughs> it depends on the time. Um, some was sports, some was other things. Right. right. Um, so that brings that's that's also part of it. Um, you know, I'm honestly like I'm just built for this. Like I just know I'm I was put on this earth to do this this type of stuff. Not like mantra or soma or whatever, but just entrepreneurship, um, 
you know, you building businesses, leading teams. Get like, a job and sit at a desk. No, or, definitely or, not. Definitely not. And um, I've obviously had to figure that out over time um, through trial and error. Lots of error. Lots of error. Um, but you know, I think just naturally, I found that I have a predisposition for handling immense loads of stress. Mm. Um, well, <laughs> um, and you know, I do like the managerial, like cultural building element of, 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 of being a CEO and being a founder, um, the people element, like that's, I, I live for that kind of stuff. I live for the growth and I found over time, you know, particularly like in the last three years, I was taking that as a, as a sample size, like, you know, when crypto was going crazy, it was all good and it was fun and it was easy. The last, let's call it 18 months have been like probably the hardest 18 months of my life. Um, but I haven't enjoyed it. I, I've never liked it more. If that makes really? sense. Yeah, literally. Like the pain. I like it. You I, like the, I, yeah. So the my dad has this. Ex- the, yeah. Like- <laughs> I would I would prefer maybe slightly less volatility in my personal financial life, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but I do You're enjoy going into treasuries. No. Yeah, no, I mean seriously. The next the next one I'm you know, I'm taking some of the side mix sure, more for my, my family than myself personally, to be honest. I'm good at going the ups and downs, but you know, for the family part it's important to have some sustainability and and, and whatnot. Um my dad has this expression, because uh, he was in the Marine Corps, okay, um, right. called "You got to embrace the suck." Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> if you get, if you can, like, you know, make that your mantra and really enjoy the shit, right. um, then it's it becomes a superpower. So that is the that's where mantra comes from. No, it does not. But <laughs> <laughs> it does not. But it's like embrace the suck <laughs> as a tagline. Embrace the suck is one of my personal mantras. That's for sure. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That is wild. So key learnings, I mean, out of that that uh, that whole experience. I mean, you've gone through ups and downs like crazy. I'm mean, yeah. not even just talking about the markets, but yeah. the business, the teams. You know, oh, working sure. with your own, you know, found co-founders and so forth. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, it's a it is a just ever evolving process. Um, and you know, if you become, I think this is part of that like hyper achiever element where you don't care as much about the goal, but rather the next one. Then it's constantly like, okay, well, you know, I've done this and we've figured it out, but now what's the next thing? And you know, I just naturally am, a, I think, a problem solver, which um, sometimes is it's great for the for work, maybe not always good for personal life, just purely because you know, sometimes your wife doesn't want you to solve her problems; she wants you to listen to her. <laughs> most of you know what now. I mean? Most of, actually, most of the time, she probably just wants you to listen rather than like try to fix it. Yeah. Um, but my natural is just like I want to fix stuff, right? right. So like turning. I know that was one of the things you, you, you had a question of before is like the, the good and the bad of personal life and founder life and whatnot. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, turning off boss John, CEO John, founder John, and right. just having like home John is very hard for me. Very different. Yeah, very hard. Then what do you do? So, so working on it. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I have a solution to it yet, to be honest. You like hit the gym or you kind of like, like, you got to find, you, you got to find stuff that like gives you your time, your space for yourself, but also for, you know, your partner together. Yeah. Together. Right. Um, more trips together, more vacations. More no, honestly, like we haven't done dinners. a vacation in a long time. Um, date nights kind of thing. You got to do date nights. I mean, so like <laughs> I actually really do not enjoy vacation. You don't like date nights either. No, I like date nights. I like date nights. I like date nights. I definitely like date nights. Right. Um, but I do not like vacation. It stresses me out. Right. Like actually stresses me out. Right. Like being sick stresses me out. Um, vacation stress me out. Weekends can stress me out a little bit. Weekends stress you out. Yeah, because I'm not doing anything. 
Like I constantly need to be in motion right. doing stuff. Right. And if I'm not, then it's a little bit, you know, it's stressing, stress inducing. Yeah. Right. Um, and. But doing something for the business or just doing business. Some, okay, my, got it, got so it. like business and life okay. is, for me is like one. together. There, you know, there's no it, separation. There's no separation between. Yeah. It is. It, it is my life. Right. right. It, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, finding like things that allow you to maintain your mental health, your physical health is super important. I think the two biggest things in the past, like 18 months was obviously, you know, I've always been, you know, athletic and generally physically fit, but, you know, during the bull run, like put on a lot of weight and was not oh, really right. super healthy. Yeah. Um, also, this was in COVID time. So this happened to a lot of people. Like, right, right. Gyms were closed. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. um, but uh, thank you. I'm six foot three. So putting on weight is, is okay for <laughs> me fine. generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> less visible. Yeah, less visible. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, being, you know, trying to hit the gym regularly, it, it's like it's me time and it's super good to be able to do that. Maintaining a very healthy diet, I really don't have much as much of a social life as I used to have, which has been important for the business, I think. Um, and I again, I, I like it. Um, but on the mental health side, like the coaching thing that I started this year has been super, super important. Okay. Shout out to Celine, my coach. Um, and you know, that's like it's like business therapy, basically. Mm. Um, and particularly as a founder, as a CEO, you know, you don't. It is like lonely at the top. It's right. a little bit cliche, but it's hundred percent true. So having someone to talk to about things is, is really important. Right. Because yeah. no one else understands, honestly. Not even like, you talk to your wife about it. You're like, I you're mean, trying you to be kind of right? You can talk about that stuff. You're like, you can talk about that to your, your, your partner, your spouse, your friends, right. you know, your business partners, right. um, your parents, like your mentors. You can. And, right. you, and I do. Um, but it's not the same as someone who comes from a totally unbiased perspective that's just there to listen and help and, you know, right. give advice and whatnot. And frankly, I think it's important that you pay them to do it because, you know, mentors are good. You know, we, we saw John Cale. I would consider him one of my mentors, just literally just outside. Um, I have a lot of people like him that are super important in my life. But, you know, they're friends as well. And, you know, you can't expect certain things out of them like you they're would friends. Find, they're right. friends. Yeah. They're not like working or doing something yeah. specifically yeah. for you. Exactly. Right? exactly. Right. So it's, it's, it's an important thing. So the coaching part has been like, like life-changing for me right. literally life-changing but so b before this time how did you vent that because you know didn't yeah like you just didn't <laughs> okay yeah i mean right. i though I, I mentioned earlier like good at handling a lot of stress um i'm still good at that right so uh i don't necessarily put my problems on other people right. um so i can internalize a lot a lot right right so you just kept it inside and then just kind of ride with it. And, yeah. You know. I mean, it's still a little bit of that, like, just kind of built for this kind of thing. Right, right. Mentality, I guess. And um, yeah, I can just handle a lot of shit. <laughs> I think. I mean, really, really. At the end of the day. <laughs> um, so you, you kind of look at that. And then now directionally, where where are you taking the business? Or, hmm. you know, what's kind of like the next phase? And then you know, uh, of the yeah. development of the business. So, so this year has been, in my opinion, a lot of like cleaning up baggage. Baggage. Okay. Yeah. So what I mean by that is just like, you know, we had all these different things that we were working on. Mm. Um, and that were part of like a initial bigger vision or not bigger division, just an initial different vision. And, you know, as we've kind of shifted and become more focused, it's, it's been a lot of just focus, focus, focus on stuff, particularly right. for me, I want to focus on the most important things. Right. Um, and you know, frankly, we didn't, I wasn't CEO of mantra before because it was a DAO, right? We had oh, two other right, co-founders. Right. It, sure, it, sure. it was a different, a different setup. So like 
beginning of this year, I took over the actual role of CEO. Although, to be honest, was kind of already doing that. Of course, naturally. Somebody um, had to take it. Yeah. Um, and you know, learning how to be a professional CEO and 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 whatnot is an exercise in like setting culture, setting strategy. Sure. You know, making sure the lights stay on. Like these type of things are, in my opinion, the three most important things you need to focus on. Um, and then solving problems. So like learning all that this year, refocusing as much as possible, you know, trying to empower the team as much as possible in challenging times, you know, recently particularly like trying to focus on delegating more. And interestingly, like I don't feel like I'm a bad delegator, but I think that I was enabling the team to come to me to, to answer their questions or solve the problem right. when frankly they knew that they could do it anyway. So I'm just like, I don't even want to hear about it anymore. Right. We have a we have a framework about how to make decisions. Oh, oh is that right? <laughs> literally, decision, literally a decision tree. We have bran uh, leaves, branches, trunks, and roots. <laughs> okay. Branches and leaves, I don't really need to know about. Yeah. Right. right. Um, trunks, I need to actually be informed and like decision uh, roots. I'm, you know, you can't cut that off without. Right. I need to, you know, that kind of thing. So, right, right. like, starting to implement this type of stuff has been really important, and you know, giving people the people want to be empowered, right? People want to do this stuff, and you know kind of understanding that psyche about enabling and empowerment and accountability has been a, again, a lot of stuff we work on in this, in the CEO coaching field. Right. So what's, what's, uh, you know, obviously it's a bear market right mm. now. So, you know, motivation inside of the teams, mm. that type of drive, how do you maintain that? Like, you know, I think that's always a very yeah. big challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs. hundred percent. So. I mean, it's, you know, particularly in crypto cause it's like, so in your face, yeah. um, because it's like all about price action on crypto assets, right? Um, whereas in other industries, you know, you could be in a downturn, but it's not like you have a publicly traded asset that's like in your face, like going up and down. And you know, so um, that's obviously been an important thing to just kind of manage with the team. Um, I think the best way you can manage that as a founder or a CEO is model the behavior you want them to see and maintain optimism, show up, you know, and get your shit done and, and, you know, be present and be jovial and do whatever you can to, you know, support them. Also, frankly, I spend a lot of time like playing psychiatrist to a degree. Is that right? <laughs> For sure. So you're I mean, taking people into the oh, office. 100%. Like, no, no, I want to talk to people. I want to yeah. talk to the team, like, you know, figure out what's going on, how they're feeling. Um, I enjoy that part of, of the job. Um, and it's an important part of my role. I think, um, it also helps me, frankly, because I get energy from it. So, you know, at the same time of me being able to hopefully solve and listen to their problems and concerns, you know, I can also then make more informed decisions on how to grow and lead the business. And I like it, right? right. So, you know, I get energy from it too. So it's it's a it is a two way street in many cases. Right. Um, but it's all about you know, you got to model the behavior you want. Right. So you you give them feedback; they give you feedback as well. Or? Feedback is an immensely important part of uh, the coaching stuff. Right. Hundred percent. It's like it's it's everything. Literally. Right. right. <laughs> it's everything. And you got to keep that. Co one is the co cohesion of the team, and also maintain that sort of uh, culture as well. Mm. Right? I, mean, I think it's hundred percent. And you know, similar to um, you know, uh, trust and and reputation and things of this nature, culture is very hard to build, and it takes time. But it's very easy to erode. Mm. Super easy. You know, good news travels very slow. Bad news travels super fast. <laughs> so you know building that up and managing you know tough times is an important part of like really setting the culture and embodying it like don't set rules and, and don't set a culture that you can't maintain yourself because mm. otherwise it, you know it's just going to do the exact opposite of what you want right 
Yeah. Um, and, I, and I love researching and reading about this stuff. Like, it, I, I read all the time, but I'm always reading business books right. and listening to business books. Right. And the Audible. Oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, of a lot of Audible. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier. It's easier right. for me to do because you can put it on like 1.25 or 1.5 speed. Yeah. So it's a little bit quicker. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah you always kind of like want to high speed through some of that stuff. Definitely. And then so, so future of crypto, I mean, like, you know, if you kind of look at it, mm. people are talking about it. You know the having and everything like mm. that. I mean, what? I mean, what's your take in terms of like the future roadmap, if you will, mm. for crypto? I mean, I think the two big events upcoming that could be potential, you know, good tailwinds. Obviously, the the having seems to be a self fulfilling prophecy over time, um, or has been over time. Um, Bitcoin ETF approval, I I think, must be a uh, a good, you know, tailwind for the industry, even if it does get priced in from a, from a price action perspective. Right. Um, but, in, you know, we literally this week was the fake news about the ETF being approved and you saw how yeah, the spike yeah. went. So, <laughs> you know, like you can tell 30, people, right? you can tell yeah. people, yeah, it went up to 30 and then came back down. <laughs> Obviously it was fake, but, um, you know, I think people were, are definitely excited about that. And, you know, how could you not if, you know, someone like a BlackRock or Fidelity or right. someone gets an institutionally approved product that institutions can, can, can get exposure to Bitcoin with at the spot. Level, right so that's going to be important i think you know i see all kinds of extremely talented extremely motivated builders continuing to build so you know the people who are i actually like the bear market kind of stuff like I, I enjoy it more because you have the people who are really here for the real reasons not just for the quick wins right. and um you know i just vibe with that more um you know a little bit more like i enjoy the hard way sure um if it's easy everyone would do it kind of thing Right. Um, and the bull market is like when you can kind of have a little bit more fun and, you know, it's easier. And I hope not to get into that trap a little again on the next like one. Too much, like too much partying or. I don't think that's going to happen just because the way my life has progressed and I'm getting <laughs> older. So, um, but you know, it, you don't want to let your foot off the gas. Mm. Um, so in my opinion, like the ones who are building now, it's the best time because you can launch and get, you know, the core community and the core you know, believers interested in your product, you can really get good feedback on what you're trying to build and develop, um, where that's a little bit harder when it's just a bunch of speculators and people who are just there for quick bucks, right? But if you have that infrastructure and foundation built during the bear, right. it's really going to give you a strong tailwind in the bull. Um, and that's how you can gain market share and become one of the next, you know, people who, who wins big in the next cycle, right? And the, the other thing with crypto, and I think just in general, is like, it's hard once you've had that big win to continue it. And what I mean by that is you kind of mentally check out because you're, in many cases, you're financially set up for the rest of your life, right? right. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to continue to motivate yourself. Right. And in, in many cases, and I found over my life through multiple booms and busts, I'm no happier with X amount of dollars in my crypto wallet or bank account than I am now with significantly less because I'm putting it all into the company. <laughs> and, and not getting paid, right? Right, right. Um, for a long so time. So it's not driven by the financial, absolutely not, not. not the money. No, right. absolutely not. Um, no, if you can find that motivation that's bigger than that, then again, it's like, you know, I'm, I would do this for the rest of my life just because I love it. Right. Um, and it's like, when you when you find that out and you find like, hey, this is what I'm meant to do, it's like, just, right, right. you know, I don't, I don't need to worry about stuff. Even if I, even if it all blows up and it all doesn't work, I know I can do it again. Um, and I know what I'm here to do. So it's not, I don't have to, I don't know. You don't have to worry too much about that. Where's mantra in five years? Uh, hopefully listed on the Hong Kong exchange. <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean, we're like, we're homegrown Hong Kong company, um, you know, founded literally in a 
I mean, like where we launched, we were literally in a little shop house, lane house thingy on um, in Shenwan. In Shenwan. Oh, yeah. Right, right. The Wild Lot. It's not there yeah. anymore, but we're like, that's where we launched the token. I, I'll never forget that day. Um, or that week, uh, frankly. On that day, like you were sitting in that. Sitting little, in that little thing when it, yeah. when it launched and we got listed on all these exchanges and we crashed, we crashed uh, BitThumb Global and like, because it was so much hype and Poloniex, which was Justin's right. son, like stole the listing and like, it was crazy. Right, right. Um, what did it hit in that 24-hour period? I mean, it Probably like a twenty thirty x immediately off the off the right. gate. So it was something pretty crazy, um, and you know, so we're like Hong Kong board and bred. Um, obviously, with Hong Kong developing its regulatory frameworks and, and and whatnot, like I love Hong Kong. I want to live here for a long time. Um, you know, I think it's an opportunity to you know be a homegrown success, um, and I hope we can you know achieve that. Right. Where do you like? What other side projects are you thinking about as far as like outside of this? Uh, nothing. nothing. I don't okay. think about anything. Okay. <laughs> no. I'm trying to, Everybody yeah, I, honestly, I'm trying to, like, we do, uh, we have, like, within the business, we have other things, you know, like, Club Dow, you've been to Club Dow, the little event space, and some other stuff, but I don't, I'm, thankfully, I don't have to deal with any of that anymore. I don't want to. Don't want, oh, oh it was a side project, and then you're Well, like, it's, yeah, I mean, we, you guys other people, other people yeah. are managing it, I'm not right. really an uh, operating right. partner on that, I mean, I'm a partner, but not operating, um, so it's just. I'm focused purely on this stuff and I'm trying to declutter everything. That's why I said like uh, 2023 is clear the baggage, focus, focus, focus. 2024 is execute, operate, scale. Right. Um, hopefully continue to raise more money. That's always a, right. a challenge. Fundraising. <laughs> yeah. Fundraising all the time. In this market. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, um, but, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're well set up for the future if we continue to push and you know, I'm pretty, pretty bullish on everything. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I think those are the ones. I mean, it's been fantastic having a chat yeah, with you, you so and much. just kind of going through the stuff. I mean, I think hopefully uh, people learned a lot of, from this, and it's uh, inspiration that you know you've come from that little shop house inside a Shenzhen all the way to here. Yeah, so it was fantastic. Thanks a lot. I appreciate for coming. that. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate really it. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs>